0: Welcome back everybody. Office hours 27.
1: We are here. Brendan, we are both wearing black t-shirts. And there's something a little different about you this time. We're in a different setup. Again. Again. (laughs) Again? We said this last time, remember? We set up
0: the table in the other room. Oh, that's right. We were in the corner. And now we're in another room with
1: a big TV. So if you're not watching on YouTube, check it out and tell us what you think. Yes, please do. (laughs) All right. So, Nick, who was our guest?
0: (laughs) Dr. Keila Williams. She's here with us. Again, check out YouTube, and you can see how she's here with us. Uh, But she is a professor at Hamilton College. She is an evolutionary psychologist. And, man, do we talk about law and human behavior. Mm. Brendan? Humans behave, Nick. (laughs) They do. (laughs) Off the bat, first impressions how are you
1: feeling and then what's on your mind i mean great conversation no doubt i think the thing that's been on my mind is that idea of ecology and the social dynamic that it plays in how we tend to put things like our conversation we talk about you know racism being or race being a identifier or something that we like to attribute to a certain topic, but really there's an ecological factor that's like underlying that, that if we could address that, maybe some of the race based stuff could be remedied as well. So I think mm-hmm. I thought that was super interesting. And then also um, we talk about just the function of stereotypes, what, like what purpose do they serve having them? Because a lot of these stereotypes are, you know, in some way or another at some point in time, which I think is an important distinction to make, they served a purpose. Mm -hmm. They may not anymore and they may still be around, um, but, and doesn't mean that purpose was a good purpose, but there was some function it was serving. um, And I thought that was an interesting point to, to make too. Yeah, she gave the example
0: of like in lower SES communities there are higher, like younger birth rates Right, of like mm-hmm. teen pregnancies and right. things like that. And it's because lack of resources calls for okay, what are we supposed to do as humans procreate? So we're going to do this younger because there are a
1: lack of resources and things farther down the line are more scarce. Right. Yeah. So to ensure the continuation of the species, at least from a local level, then relates to okay, we need to continue the species. At a younger age, there's more societal pressures to make that happen sooner, which was an interesting thing to think about it because, yeah, we we do a lot of shaming in this country. There's no doubt about it. And we don't take the time to really understand people's circumstances. And I think that's a great example where a lot of people could maybe gain a deeper level of understanding about what it would mean to be living in a ecology that you don't currently live in. I I just go back to this like I'm kind of
0: frustrated with stereotypes I mean I think we all should be Mm -hmm. and I also think like you said before there should be this understanding that they're there for a reason Mm -hmm. but it's like if our brain's so complex and so large
1: like it needs to chill on trying to make stuff so simple yeah right like well and like evolutionarily I think It's just so weird because there's really like no way to know, but just thinking about how different our biology would have behaved in a different time. You know what I mean? Like imagine you only ever met a hundred people in your entire life (laughs) because because your tribe was 50 and you knew of one other tribe, but you never really met them. Right. So you had these interactions, but like, to put that one step further, imagine how many deep, meaningful relationships you would have. That would be cool. Right? Because so every relationship would mean a lot to you and you would probably feel much more, you know, I think there's a lot of just to bring another kind of topic into this one. If that was the case, you prob you meaning the modern man, man, meaning human, not man or woman. Um, but I think there's a real chance that people wouldn't feel so without purpose Mm -hmm. because when, you know, to go back to what we talked about with Jamie, if you have deep, meaningful relationships, that, um, economy of what was the word we used in that interview? Uh, the economy of like gratitude, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to do things to better the lives of the people that are close in your 50 person tribe. They're going to do things back for you. I think there's a lot of fulfillment that comes out of that cycle. But when it's good action, not saying that people do it for the feedback, but there is a certain baseline level of validation, like the the work that you're doing is impacting people's lives for the better. That's a good piece of feedback to receive from your environment. And I think with social media and just like how vast – our societies have become, it just does not happen. And I think people are desperately seeking that. There's like a lot of meaningless work out there. Oh yeah. Not meaningless in the sense that it literally means nothing, but it means (laughs) nothing to you. Yeah. You know, you're not seeing your, your efforts day in and day out going to better the people that you love and you want to take care of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially like with,
0: work culture you're only doing if you're in a specific type of job you're only doing one part of yourself or expressing one part of yourself every day all day mm-hmm. like oh like there are so many different parts to people yeah and allowing them for their creativity to flourish would mm-hmm. probably be nice yeah instead of siloed mm-hmm. and if we're in a small tribe like you're gonna have multiple roles Right, you're going to have to do multiple things in order to support everyone. You're not going to have you might have one specific job that you're really good at, but
1: that's not all you're going to be doing the entire time. No. Yeah, are humans meant to be specialized? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah, I think it goes completely against what like we're too advanced of a species to silo ourselves to one thing. Right. Like the fact that we have the capacity for more means we should push the limits of that capacity for more, in my opinion. And I think that's what a lot of people say with the like like in different phases and facets of psychology. I think there's a lot of people who say like that development of the self, right, that comes from doing things that you're sucky at Mm -hmm. and seeing yourself progress into a more competent version of whatever you're doing. Like there's a huge reward factor that comes out of that also. Mm -hmm. And I think people so often get stuck into one thing and then get, may get really good at that. But if they haven't developed these other sides of them, plus like, You know, if you're like, let's just say you're an executive, right? And you're the best in your company and you've got a few work acquaintances, but a lot of it is just like manager employee relationships So nothing's really got any depth to it. The most fulfilling part of your life would be shared with just about zero of the people who mean anything to you in your life. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, there would be a huge disconnect in you feeling satisfied with that if, like, you never really could. Like, I mean, your paycheck can only go so far into proving that, like, amount of work you do and everything you endure on a day in and day out basis, and all the, you know, tough decisions you have to make and navigate through and all that. And I feel like if people could take their significant others and their family and everybody through and show them like all the stuff that they were doing, but then their family in a place where their family would get it Mm -hmm. right. Like I could tell all of my family, all types of ways, what I do at work, but it doesn't connect the same. Right. So yeah, there's just so many different things that the modern environment doesn't allow people to experience that I think on the whole are detrimental to mental health, to be honest. I think that's like there's an insufficiency there. And I think that, you know, it's really yeah. good to hear somebody like Keela talk and take us through stuff like this because I think it helps us better understand our environments and then how our psychology relates to that.
0: Right. I think you touch on a really good piece with mental health because, like, our older generations, like, say, our parents' generation and then grandparents' generation, I'm, I'm assuming that it's due to, like, limited jobs as to why a lot of people just stuck in there or stayed in the same career for so long. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, there was that culture around, like, grit and, like, this is who you are and you need to bear through this. But I also... Th- just access to jobs and now with our generation having a lot more access to a lot of different types of jobs like we are getting more creative Mm -hmm. um and i think with the mental health piece like people were so caught up in their career so caught up in what they do for a living that when they retire like that's when they start to feel like shit because Mm -hmm. that was the only thing that they did their whole life Mm mm-hmm and it's like, okay, yeah, if you take that away, I, I am going to feel terrible. Right. Like, if I'm not doing other stuff or expanding myself in different ways, then what am I going to do when I'm done?
1: Yeah. You it's can't the same be thing with athletes. We've you can't be discussion. an aimless person. Yeah. It does not go well. Yeah. And if you only aim at one thing and then that thing ends, Bye. you're then aimless. <laughs> bye. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> You said something that really made me think, and this is a question I haven't even had more than 20 seconds to think about. Mm, this is a thorough, thorough thought. A thorough thought. Do you think that increases in creativity are a teeter-totter effect with mental health? Right. Right. Do you think the increases in creativity lead to decreases in mental health? I think so. I don't know, but it's, I think It's so. an interesting thought because I think of like the tormented artist, right? Mm-hmm. Like somebody who's deeply, deeply disturbed mentally, but has the mo- ability to create the most amazing things. Mm-hmm. Or what even what you said, people leave their job, they go do something that they feel is going to be more creative, more meaningful, allow them to do something they want. But you probably, you're like also ripping yourself out of a community of people who've like come to depend on you and lean on you. Mm -hmm. And that can have a devastating effect to it. I think there's a huge mental health issue in like that tech space, right? Like there's a lot of People who experience, I mean, in a lot of fields, there's obviously mental health issues. I think that's more of a macro, what are people doing with their lives type of a thing rather than, but specifically on this creativity piece, I am really curious if there is a true balancing scale at all times of how creative are you being and what is your mental health. Like if you pursue something purely creative, is that going to almost sure, certainly decrease your mental health hmm. if you invest everything in right? That would that's what it would be if you d- invested everything to the most severe degree to creativity. Is that also the recipe for the most severe of this this specific brand? We'll call it of you know decline in mental health. Yeah. I think it could be. I mean, I think about just us doing this.
0: Mm -hmm. Like if I didn't have this, I'd have more time to focus on school and work, which means more time that I'd probably stress about school and work and less of an experience to like dive outside of my
1: everyday norm of school and work. Mm -hmm. So would you, based on what your answer you just gave me is, would you say it's siloed creativity? when your creativity is only in one avenue and you invest every waking moment of your creative life into one thing that's when it could be dangerous that's when saying? it can be dangerous but when you do you have your work you've got your the podcast you've got x y or z other things you know you've got shows that you really love and that you have like A creative obsession for for their own way maybe Mm -hmm. a book series or an author that you just love digging in on another podcast that you don't do but you listen to maybe that you Mm -hmm. love and that gets your creative juices flowing do you think that helps spread out that creative flow and can offset some of the then you've got seven teeter-totters going (laughs) at one time instead of one I think, yeah, I think that could be beneficial because whenever I think about
0: creativity running amok, I -hmm. think about, like, the artists and the painters and the novelists and Mm -hmm. the musicians who, like, allow – they they have space for their ideas to go crazy. Like, when you're creating a piece of art, maybe you have some structure on it. But it's
1: also obsessively about one thing. Right.
0: Which is – that's Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you have a bunch of space and time. Mm Mm-hmm. To really isolate on this one thing. And that's when you're like, mine's just
1: like, yo. And it becomes <laughs> it becomes like an addiction. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like if we only did this all the time. It would drive us absolutely crazy.
0: Yes. Yeah. We would never find the right setup. Nope. It, side note, it probably took us about like an hour or two just to like yeah. finagle things. 100%. Yes. So, yeah, no, but I, I agree. Hmm. Interesting. And I wonder what it's like for full time podcasters. I mean, Joe Rogan does it full time, but he does other stuff. Like, yeah, I'm sure. Right, he's
1: got six hobbies basically.
0: Yeah. If he did only podcasting and he posts like what, like three to four episodes a week or some shit, if he only did that every week, I'm, God, that just seems so repetitive. Mm-hmm.
1: It seems brutal. Plus, I would say his other hobbies are really different. Yeah. You know, like hunting, we'll call fitness one, comedy, and podcasting. And he's really good at all and four. Podcasting. And being a commentator. So, mm-hmm. like, speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's five – I mean, there's correlation on all of them, but there's similarity – or there's big differences in all of them too. Right. And I think this is probably why – it's
0: shown that, like, if you really devote yourself to one thing, you're, you'll probably excel at it. Mm-hmm. But the sacrifice does not seem worth it. Yeah. Like, you see people in business. Right, yeah. Like, investment banking or something like that. They're devoting a lot of time to their work, and they're getting a good payout because they're doing so. But at the same time, like, they're sacrificing some time, sacrificing different outings.
1: Yeah. Do you think there's, like, a patience conversation to mix in here that is like relevant, right? Because I'm thinking based on what you just said, if you dedicate all of your time to one thing and you get really good at it, but you've made all of these sacrifices, right? Let's say in an alternate universe, the same person does three things that they are going to be equally good at but it takes them a decade longer to achieve their mastery level in all of mm-hmm. them i would say that person probably would be more fulfilled with oh, yeah. with the pursuit of those things yeah whereas getting you know an incredible amount of wealth young for dedicating your entire life to one thing and then hitting 36 and being like wow i am know where i want to be i've done this one thing and now my life is just this one thing and i really wanted to get good at wake surfing and i never did it i did it for one summer and i absolutely loved it and i never did it again because i was so dedicated to this this is our conversation about
0: olympians right yeah of like dedicating one your whole life to a sport yeah Finishing at some point and then being like, okay.
1: Probably very young. Yeah. You're probably less than 30 years old. And then literally being told you're not good enough. You cannot do this anymore. (laughs) The one thing that you were the best at. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and to you, I'm assuming there's no like gymnastics rec league to go get involved in to just like, Continue it for the love of it, right? Right. Like that's a that's a heart, and you're never going to train at the level and intensity you were when you were thinking about reaching the pinnacle of your sport. Mm-hmm. So, it really does come crashing down around you in that case. Yeah. yeah. So, what would you say if you were to give some kind of, you know, blanketed recommendation to people based on what we've just talked about? <laughs> Do you think that, from our unprofessional perspective, mm-hmm. very unprofessional, yeah, this, That's is, why this is not a legitimate recommendation. This is a thought experiment. That's why you should abide by it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that most people should find three or four things to kind of invest, really, really invest some of their time into? Mm-hmm. And like, I think any the anything can fall into this category, right? like you know us having psychologically based conversations whether it's outside of this podcast or not like that's an actual like investment of my time like when we have these conversations i don't just like willy-nilly them like i'm really thinking about them you know what i mean and i think that that is uh you know that's because it's actually something that i've genuinely gained a curiosity in and that can be anything and like i've a bunch of weird ones. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm just like constantly curious about that I will do research on for absolutely no reason, (laughs) just because I'm curious. Like here's a good one cars, not even for the like, Oh, that's a, a big engine. It's super fast. It's like the most advanced thing. I'm just genuinely curious, like of, of, the payload capacity of the newest Toyota Tundra pickup that's being announced in 2022. Like, <laughs> like that's how, and I don't, I couldn't tell you why, you know, or like the new issues with the turbo engines in some of the Honda CRVs a few years ago. It's the talk of the town. Just being informed about like the automotive industry has just been fascinating to me. <laughs> Ever since my buddy Tyler growing up, his dad was, the manager of a Walnut Creek Honda and took us to a few car shows. And I was just fascinated by them. Mm. Like the style is a whole thing. Then like how you bring the style of a car and combine it with technology. And then like just all the features that they can pack in and what a vehicle can do. Like it's just such a fascinating industry to me. It is. So there's a good example that like I've got, you know, some hours logged of <laughs> of getting into this car stuff. so, but that's something that I literally do just because I get some useless enjoyment out of it mm-hmm. So, do we think that there's you know, at least a minimum of things? And let's also include people's career because I think that's the first one and the easiest one, right? It's easy to have a career, be interested. You're gonna get good at it because you have to show up for a paycheck. You know, I think getting motivated about just like – you don't even have to care about what you're doing, but just motivated about being good at it, assuming it's something that you first deem worthy to invest your time into. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you have to love it, but you have to deem it worthy of your time. That and then what are we saying? Two things? Yeah. Do we think that that's a pretty solid recipe for most people? I think so.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think about – like how we started this podcast and what it's done for me personally is that I, I feel like more confident moving into more of like a creative space mm-hmm. because this is like forced me to like learn different things on the computer or mm-hmm. find out about different apps that like have editing features yeah and just like explore like digital art and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then listen for little intricacies about sound yeah and doing all these little things. So it's not like I'm just learning about, the topic that Kilo Williams is talking about, which that's also the number one plus of like being able to meet these random people out of nowhere and then having a two hour conversation with them and learning about their life's work. Uh, But all these other little things that come with that, I think are the huge benefit that I've learned to take away. And so Mm. by stepping out of my comfort zone and then doing something like this, at least committing to it, I then force myself to learn a bunch of different stuff about it, too, mm-hmm. and maybe I find out that I don't like it, but I like doing digital art, right, and So I become a freelancer or something like that. Yeah. Um, Brennan, I'm slowly letting you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was that was the first hint. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh my. God. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I love this.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, but I think I think it's a good point that yeah, like doing doing the things that seem good in the moment may very well lead you to the next thing. And that might be the actual thing that you really want to settle your and invest your time into. Mm -hmm. And there's, yeah, there's really something to that. Right. Um, And then just having a few things, whether they hit or not completely, they may lead you to the next thing, which is an important thing. Because if you, if you haven't even taken that first step, you're probably missing out on a lot of stuff that you don't even know yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is your whole idea about the aim that you've talked about in the past. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think even about like little changes that are forced. So we can't use the other room because there's like other stuff in there going on, and we were forced to kind of do this setup. And I like the setup more right now. Yeah, I think it's going to you know? turn out great. And it's like these little things that you have to navigate, and then are you saying the obstacle is the way? <laughs> yes, I did start lis- listening to the Daily Stoic uh, podcast more so recently, nice. too, so that's a good connection you
1: made there. Well, um, yeah, this has been nice. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about uh, in regards to Keila's episode? We did talk about a lot of stuff. We talked about a lot of stuff.
0: I thought that research around the death penalty was pretty fascinating, that... Like, where there's scarcer resources in areas around the US that have scarcer resources, those are the places that endorse the death penalty. Yeah. And the scarcer the resources, the quicker, like, the death. Or at mm-hmm. least that was their experiment that they ran. They said. Right. That was the theory that was being tested. Yeah. And they ran the experiment presenting somebody who has few resources. So they're more likely than probably going to. The place doesn't have enough money to potentially rehabilitate the person and provide money for that. And so they found that people who have fewer resources, the death penalty, they wanted it to happen to that person. And not just – they just wanted it to happen. They wanted it to happen
1: faster if the Mm -hmm. resources were even more scarce. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. It makes sense, but A lot of the survey work that she had done was super interesting. Like with those scenarios that they were taking people through – about like the wasn't she telling us that there were some um some surveys that they were doing on man now it's kind of completely blank right in the middle of me trying to think of this idea but yeah no i mean the the death penalty thing for sure was really interesting because in a in the context of like sm- smaller groups, like we were talking about before, right? Mm-hmm. Like smaller tribes. Yeah, you know, if you, like people weren't taken hostages, you know, like if somebody came in and attacked your tribe and you captured them, you killed them, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's it's just so interesting to think about, like back in those older times, like even let's not even go back to like hunter gatherer tribal times, but even just like what limited resources we had back when, you know, ancient dynasties were going, like there there just weren't a large number of resources, right? Like people went to war over salt. Yeah. Like, so just to think about what it would have not only, the number of people because they are a resource. But in times where there just weren't resources, like what was a resource? Like a rock wasn't a resource. You know, maybe it was. It actually probably was. But today it's not. (laughs) If if it's shaped like a wheel. Yeah. And it might be. But you know what I mean? Like there was probably only a handful of things that were really a resource, like textiles, salt, gold, I don't even know if there'd be anything else to be honest i mean we i'm not the i haven't watched
0: too much but i know you watch a lot like you we see this play out in survivor oh absolutely like people are on the brink of like starvation yeah and lack of resources and they're willing to just like let go of everybody
1: yeah and all of their
0: good judgment goes out the window it's gone yeah so if there was somebody who was hurt on Survivor and they were slowing the team down, they'd say, you just need to leave. We've seen
1: people on Survivor hurt other people (laughs) in competition because of probably this same mindset we're talking about. Oh, my gosh. Like somebody who was trying to wrestle a ball away from somebody else Mm -hmm. or like a soccer-type scenario, kick another player, like literally kick them to give themselves the advantage. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, the – Extremes that people will go to when pushed. I mean, talking about scarcity of resources, right? Literally, that was the tactic in Nazi Germany, right? They, th- These people had nothing. Mm. They didn't have a single thing. So when all of the resources are being controlled by one group of people yeah, and they tell you, hey, we're going to keep the peace we're going to get, you're going to get your food, a whole bunch of people are going to die, you know, it's probably easy as a German citizen living under a Nazi regime who's not being persecuted in that time, it's probably easy to turn a blind eye when the person in charge is the only way you're going to feed your children that night. Right. And you know that the consequence is some other people you never met that you're probably never gonna see, never were gonna see anything, they're all gonna die right. like it's a total manipulation game for like for tyrants also mm-hmm. this resource idea and the scarcity, and then what people are willing to do in the presence of scarcity of resources, crazy, yeah, desperation, yeah, so this plays out
0: similar to our talk with. Courtney Tracy about how she approaches her work with all of her clients utilizing Maslow's hierarchy of needs yeah it's totally in the hierarchy it is because if you're not going to be able to care about connecting with other people if you're trying to just get shelter and food
1: yeah no way who
0: cares at that point I just need shelter and food and that's it yeah and I mean essentially that's like almost an addict's mindset too if you're abusing substances that's why you don't really care about any anybody else you just want your drug of choice, mm-hmm. and then you push everybody else away. And what does that get you? It's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here we are, resources. Yeah. And this is why I mean, just disparity in general is such like a, sh- a huge topic to discuss. Yeah. Because people who have billions of dollars, it's like, what are you doing with that? Yeah. Compared to people who have less than a thousand dollars
1: that's wrong that is sad yeah i mean yeah and like this is where yeah i mean just like creating opportunities for people so that they can like achieve more for themselves and their families is just like god it's got to be such a priority Mm -hmm. you know because like if people don't have the chance I think that's the problem right like we just don't have enough chances for people right a lot of the chances are being reserved for you know people who check a certain status box let's just say like you know if you're in a wealthy area and you were able to afford college then you have a status that is putting you above everybody else in terms of opportunity Mm -hmm. and if you came from a neighborhood where or an area of the country where people didn't go to college and people didn't get good jobs you never you don't think that that's something you can go out and do so there's opportunities to like get yourself into like college is a great young person foot in the door to a company kind of a starting it's a catalyst for all of that yeah and you meet a lot of people who are yeah the network the that same. comes out like yeah. i've got you know hundreds of people on my linkedin who are very very minimal acquaintance and interaction with but i see what's going on with their careers because they they get promotions or whatever it shows up on your feed mm-hmm. and then like it's like if down the line i needed to reach out to that person i probably could yeah and you just know? seeing that
0: they're doing these things and you were once connected to them or potentially on the same level right like you're saying yeah provides you with more motivation to also excel mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes it's like Damn, they're doing great. I suck. <laughs>
1: I mean, sometimes I guess yes. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just it's just opportun like if people because opportunity is literally all it takes, right? Like in this whole conversation of talking and talking before and other conversations that you and I have had it's the idea of just being able to see a version of yourself in the future that's better than the version of you that you are right now. Mm -hmm. And that only there doesn't have to be anything waiting for you on the other side of this that you can see other than the opportunity for it to happen. Right. And that is a transformative force in people's life. Yes. And if we can create more vision for people of the, Unbelievable person that they could be if they continued to work hard and you know act with or you know go through their life with you know virtue, then they can achieve whatever they set their mind to in some way. And it doesn't mean it's going to be exactly what they thought that it would be, but they will achieve something special Mm -hmm. if they can do that. And I think uh people need to know,
0: yeah, yeah, and we can. Hopefully, have more supportive ecologies. Yeah, absolutely. A more supportive nation
1: mm-hmm. with that. Lift all the the ecologies of the United States. Right. N- rather than thinking that it's got to be done, onesie twosie. Yeah. Or like some new park in a community that doesn't <laughs> that needs it it is like going to get a new park, but like yeah, you know, Right. safety and security being the base of the of the hierarchy and predictability. Yeah. Yeah, but right, Maslow's hierarchy, right? mm-hmm what's the the basis physiological needs physiological needs okay so let's and just then yes yeah, and then and safety and security, and security. Which, like so Paul's physiological needs let's say those fall on the role of the parent to ensure are being handled from the youngest of ages mm-hmm. i think the second tier of the hierarchy is what government and government money and tax dollars can go to ensure for people mm-hmm. and then what's the third It starts to get into like
0: belonging with others and self-esteem and self-worth. Which
1: makes sense because if you have safety, your community, within your community, you have more opportunity then to integrate with your community better and contribute and get contribution from the community towards yourself. So, yeah, I think – I mean – and that's a complicated topic, safety and security. Like, what does that really mean? Like, it is complicated. Mm-hmm. But it's where focus should be. Like, we need people innovating and creating new, unique ideas on how to do that. Yeah. But I, what Keela Williams was talking about was that the
0: main factor in uh, the desperate ecologies is that they were more unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. And so the hopeful ecologies had a lot of predictability. hmm Which means people can expect that, okay, their basic needs are going to get met instead of feeling unpredictable about like, okay, is my safety actually at risk? Mm -hmm. Am I going to get food? Am I going to get water?
1: Is there reliable employment? Because if you don't have reliable steady income, then that leaves so many other things to be uncertain. Yes. Do I have transportation? Yeah. All these things. So...
0: That predictability piece is super interesting too, which goes back to me being pissed about our stupid brains sometimes. Like, tell me about it. You know, we 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 make all these shortcuts with these heuristics and stereotypes, and now we just need everything to be predictable. Like, yeah,
1: maybe we should just do away with the brain, idiots. Right? So brains are out. We've decided. Alright. Just like we've decided that this episode's now over. It's it's over. That I
0: said something ridiculous. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. We'll see you next time.